0: Ingram Smith, Bud Elliott, back again for another episode of the NoCast, Bud. This is a uh, particularly significant one, as it's kind of the real uh, the real mark on the calendar that lets us know that we've transitioned from uh, from summer and very much into uh, into the upcoming year. So, for our new listeners, we do this every year. We provide uh, one podcast, uh, or at least one very much focused conversation on each position group we may combine two position groups in an overall podcast but uh, we want to be as thorough as possible give our thoughts on where uh, we think Florida State stands with each position group as it approaches the year and give kind of an idea as to uh, whether or not the the level of play seen on on the field in 2019 may be a, a better product than what we uh, saw in, well, for the 2018 season, maybe better than the 2017 season. Let me put it that way, rather than confusing people. So I uh, look forward to doing these as always tonight. We're going to start from a place of strength and uh, look at the secondary. So excited to do this as always. Want to thank Louisiana Hot Sauce being with us for a third continual year now. Three simple ingredients, one fantastic product, and uh, a podcast uh, partner the likes of which uh, we could not hope for more from. So uh, excited as always. And Bud, let's jump into our 2018 position preview series.
1: Absolutely. And with a new coaching staff, Ingram, we are going to discuss the new coach with, with each new position group uh, that we preview tonight. We will do, like you said, DBs and RBs. So uh, the new defensive coordinator and defensive backs coach, Harlan Barnett. And uh, Harlan comes to Florida State be a Michigan State, pretty accomplished coordinator, uh, is going to run a scheme that, that I believe is uh, is going to take some folks back to the Mickey Andrews days, a uh, little more updated. I know we discussed this on a prior episode, but I did kind of want to give a little bit of a rundown and you know, jump in here wherever you feel is appropriate on, on how this scheme is going to look. Uh, it, it does fit in very much to Willie Taggart's lethal simplicity idea. They are going to run a Cover 4 coverage scheme on probably two-thirds of their standard downs. So standard downs would be first and ten, second and seven or less, third and five or less. Now, what does that mean? That means that your two corners and your two safeties are each going to take basically a, a quarter of the field with your three linebackers playing underneath coverage in your standard four-three defense. It really doesn't change if you're in a nickel. The safeties are going to be very close to the ball in this defense. In fact, we complained for many years about the tight camera angles at Doak, and they are terrible for watching the game because it's it just it's too zoomed in. You can't actually see plays develop very well. However, Florida State's safeties are going to be eight to ten yards off the ball almost all the time. Um, we're going to talk more about that, but the safeties have very uh, very demanding coverage responsibilities in this defense with the cover four scheme, right? They, they have to do a couple things. They have to make sure it's not a run because if it is, they're going to be there to support the run. If the guy in the slot ends up going deep, the safety is going to take him. The linebacker over top of him or the star position over top of him is going to pass him off to the safety, and the safety is going to pick him up as a vertical route, which then you know kind of makes this defensive coverage scheme convert to a man-to-man style defense. So they are playing zone, but within zone there's a lot of man-to-man principles to it. If that slot receiver stays shallow, then they'll help on the outside with, with, with the number one receiver, allowing for a double team down the field. That's basically the, safe, or the safest and, and simplest way that I can describe it on, on a podcast. Now, we said aggressive. This is a very aggressive defense. There's no doubt about it. Within the coverage responsibilities, you're going to see press coverage from these defensive backs probably 90% of the time. Harlan Barnett does not believe in allowing receivers to get clean releases off the line of scrimmage. He wants to disrupt the timing. He wants to make them earn everything. Now, this is even going to be on third and long. We know last year some people hated that the team was playing off off coverage so often on third and short, right? And there was a a reason for that at times, and and sometimes there, there wasn't. Here, I can already predict that people won't like this sometimes because they will give up some big plays doing this and they will give up some conversions doing this. But it's just something that they're very passionate about believing in they they want to disrupt receiver timing and receiver releases pretty much all the time so you will see them in press coverage even on third and long quite a bit this is a very aggressive defense as i said every defense gives up something right what will this defense give up it's going to be big plays that is, is, is what they're they're willing to, to allow, allow you to have if you can execute at a very high level. They want to deny the easy throws. They do not want to allow opposing offenses to be able to easily work the ball down the field. Instead, they want you to hit the tough stuff. And I think that really does play nice and complimentary football with Willie Taggart's offensive scheme. Because if you think about it, they want a lot of possessions. They want to go very fast. They, they want to wear their team out. They want to be able to to run a lot of plays, and, and then they want to be able to get the defense in bad situations. Well, the one way you can't do that is if the opposing offense holds the ball for a long time. FSU wants more possessions, not less. Doing this defense like they're running, like Michigan State has run successfully for many years, will lead to a lot of three and outs. It will lead to some long scoring plays, and it could lead to more chances for turnovers. As we know, turnovers are mostly random. They are luck, but you can create turnover chances. And then, you know, if you have more opportunities for a ball to bounce, that can help you to increase the total uh, total number. So that's uh, that's kind of what they're going to do on base downs. But on 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 passing downs, it it will definitely be a lot
0: different. You know, Bobby Bowden used to say this at times about his defense, uh, that. You might want to watch this because somebody's about to make a big play. Either way, I, I think that's somewhat indicative of what you're going to see. It, it's a, it's an aggressive defense. It's a, a defense that, like you said, it wants to make uh, the offense execute the tough stuff. And if they do, uh, it's not the end of the world if if they end up giving the ball back to their, uh, back to their offense. Uh, and it is a uh, a defense that is you know going to work to its strengths in the secondary that we're talking about is is very much. Uh, is very much part of that. Perhaps the strongest unit on the entirety of the team. You you kind of mentioned this. Uh, this whole team, this whole program, is running on uh, on the the mantra of lethal simplicity, and and that is very true. And and you said this, but uh, uh, this I think a lot of times we kind of make an assumption that the safety position is not necessarily easy to play, but. It's not all the time, always all that complicated. Uh, If any part of this defense is, uh, is challenging, that is the place. And it's going to be interesting to see who ultimately wins those places or those spots, because uh, that is probably the, probably the place on this defense, really uh, on the entirety of the team where there's, there's more probably complex decision-making than, uh, than routinely
1: asked of any other position group. Completely agree. You know, and, and, we talk about how simple this defense is on the standard downs. One thing I really like that Harlan Barnett said, and I thought this was pretty cool, he said, "You know, by being so simple and understanding exactly what you need to do, it allows our, our team to get lined up and to then think about how the opponent is likely going to try to attack them on this down. And I do believe that smart football players who are not too caught up in thinking about what they have to do on, their, on in their own role – can actually intuit what might be coming, right? It it can help you be in the right position. Now, on third and long and and second and long and things like that, you will see a lot more variation in terms of coverage and in terms of personnel packages. I know at Michigan State they called it the Delta package. I don't know what they're going to call it yet at Florida State. wouldn't surprise me if they kept the terminology similar, but you will see six and sometimes even seven defensive backs on the field at once. You'll see some three down line. With that, So there will be a lot of players rotating in and out within the course of the regular game. And then also with with how many snaps we think this team is going to play overall, both on offense and on defense, and the likelihood of additional blowouts that we really haven't seen in the past couple of years at Florida State, simply because of the lack of pace at which Jimbo Fisher ran his offense, which just is just hard to blow somebody out if you only get the ball eight times in the game. Even if you score five of them, you're only scoring 35. You're going to see guys play a lot of snaps in this. Now, I think we should probably start at at corner before we get, come back to safety. But first, we should probably note they do have to replace two players who had, had pretty solid careers, one a lot better than the other, obviously, uh, in Durbin James, first-round draft pick of the San Diego Chargers, already having a, a great preseason camp. Tavares McFadden uh, got picked up, I believe, by the 49ers, did not have a good senior year. But you know, two guys you do have to replace – and I, I think at corner, they, they feel pretty comfortable that they had the answers. Granted, he had injuries. He, he didn't maybe have the career that he, he potentially could have.
0: But there's not many times in many programs where you'd be able to just replace a Derwin James. So uh, that's certainly not the expectation. McFadden had the you know the massive year in, in 2016 and had a lot of uh, uh, fortuitous interceptions and had a lot of kind of 50-50 jump balls thrown his way that he ended up coming down with. Uh, Last year, McFadden was at times unfairly uh, a scapegoat. At other times, uh, some of the frustrations that existed with what was asked of him on special teams, I think kind of bled into people's um, overall view of what he did. And at other times, just piss poor. He he did not play well and lacked the needed effort to play uh, every once in a while. I don't know that he brought that every game, but there was certainly... Certainly some periods of time where you could question his, uh, his focus in an effort. So uh, one, of, you know, one of the players had a possibility to be one of the more transcendent players you've seen recently. I think injuries limited exactly what you got out of James. But uh, two players who, who at times made significant contributions. And I think you're probably right that uh, we should start there and, and kind of look at uh, who will be replacing them and, and to what degree they,
1: they can be replaced. I've seen a lot of people ask, you know, hey, they're they're playing a bunch of press coverage. Don't you need really big guys to play press coverage? And 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 the guys they got on the corner right now are are not the biggest. I mean, it, it they're listed Levante Taylor at five ten, Kyle Myers at, at six foot, probably close, you know, to, to those sizes being accurate. I don't know if they're exactly accurate, but ac- actually, no. Uh, press coverage. Look, length helps. There's no doubt about it. But footwork is actually more important when when playing press coverage. And I, I believe both players have seen immediate improvement in their, their press technique and footwork going from Charles Kelly's defense to Harlan Barnett. We always see these, you know, these fans and whatnot just trash the old coaching staff relentlessly on everything, and they weren't a bad coaching staff in every single area. But in terms of teaching press technique, I do believe that we have already seen uh, an improvement in that area. However they're instructing these kids to, is, is working in terms of, of even the young kids, are already showing very good press technique. Taylor and Myers are doing so as well. Uh, I think that they can really trust those guys. Are they the, the best corners in the entire world? Probably not. You know, I, know, I know Taylor was rated extremely highly last year. I think he did have a strong 2017. Part of that, of course, uh, is that as a sophomore, he's playing the field spot and in and, and college. Due to the, the alignment of the hash marks, some of those throws to the field – are just a lot tougher for for quarterbacks to make. So you are going to have a lower completion percentage uh, allowed just based on on alignment and difficulty of throws that the field will take away. But I I think Florida State feels very good about Taylor and and about Myers. Both are juniors. If if Taylor has an excellent uh, junior year, he's a guy who I think could go pro. Uh, I think he'll run an excellent time. I just haven't seen him as a recruit. Really good recovery speed there. You know they will go up against some bigger receivers certainly, and, and that could be problematic at times. Clemson has seemingly like a forest of receivers, a production plant slash factory line of six foot three, six foot four,
0: absurdly talented receivers, and they seemingly had that uh that factory
1: uh or that that uh, production line going for about three or four years now. And and you know, Miami has on a, a, a Richards, who who's an excellent receiver too, with with great size. But uh, but overall, look, uh, we have seen early on in camp at least that these guys have held up pretty well against the likes of uh, uh, Tamron Terry and uh, and Keith Gavin, who are, are both very big. So that that you know is encouraging there. I, I think that they they feel very good about those guys. Look, they're put on islands quite a bit. They're saying you you've got to be able to cover. You have to be able to cover in space. We want to shoot, see good press te- technique, and then we want you to flip your hips and and cover down the field. And they feel good about that. One name we didn't mention here was Stanford Samuels III, who we'll mention with the safeties, and we'll explain that in a second. But the backups, I think that they feel like they've uh, they've really had three nice hits in recruiting with the true freshmen in A.J. Lighton, Asante Samuel Jr., and Isaiah Bolden. Now, Bolden's a much bigger type. Uh, Lighton and Samuel are, are, are smaller guys with a little bit more polish maybe than Bolden has. But uh, I don't know, just talking to, to you know sources on, uh, within the program, they, they feel very good about about those guys um and I, I do believe that they will play a good bit i do not believe that they are real contenders to take over starting roles uh this year i know several of y'all had asked that question and then there's always a wild card like carlos becker carlos uh is a junior now i believe and uh just has not been able to get healthy we, we saw him in a practice er, in a walking boot again he, he had the ankle issue and um you know, heel issue and just hopefully he can uh he can get healthy and, and put it all together. So we know ability-wise, he, he certainly has that. And you would like to have depth at this position, which is not in the form of a true freshman. I will say, however, that I, I don't think that the depth chart, if you saw one, is totally accurate because of the fact that I believe Stanford Samuels III, if you did have one of these two corners go down, would actually slide back to corner from his free safety position, which he is now occupying.
0: Complete agreement. Uh, just to circle back, full expectation that this is uh, Taylor's final year in Tallahassee. I, I expect him to, uh, to go pro, and as you kind of reference, I don't necessarily expect that to be paired with uh, massive production. Uh, it's just a more challenging task or a more challenging ask that he's going to be uh, assigned with for much more of the year. And I think to an extent um, – Maybe the fan base and, and, you know, Meyer still has an an awful lot to prove, but I, I see a lot of times people, you know, the message boards, you know, general personal conversations I have with people, uh, almost an expectation for that kid to be passed up. I think to an extent, and this is not unique to Florida State fans, but I think to an extent fan base is almost kind of, uh, whether consciously or subconsciously, just file away a kids recruiting status and then expect that to ultimately play out. And, and for some time for good reason, but uh, Myers wasn't the, you know, the biggest of recruits. He was a, he wasn't like a, a kid that was a total unknown, but he was kind of a three or four star recruit based on where he looked at a Louisiana. Um, and to an extent, I think that's kind of always lives in the back of people's mind. Uh, Myers has been a really, really good player so far and is poised to have a, uh, a very good year. So I, I would, Challenge people that kind of always are are looking for him to be passed up on the depth chart as to exactly where that notion comes from.
1: I think you're you're dead on there. Uh, look, he had a good spring. Everything I've heard is that he's had a good fall camp. I, I, I don't know why. I think your your theory as to why people think that is is right because nothing else really makes sense to me. Um, let's move to safety real quick, but before we do. Let's mention our, our second sponsor of the night, and that is uh, Mattis Social and Township, the the for the Table restaurant group, back with us for a, a third season. Man, I, Ingram, I'm sensing a the theme here with these sponsors. Just they sponsor the Nolescast, and they really like it, and they stick with us that's that's pretty cool well it's uh it's certainly you know we
0: take it seriously if you're willing to work with us and try to do everything we can uh if if we think it's a good fit that is and uh it would be hard to find a better fit than than for the table restaurant group and uh what those guys have offered so uh you know they they're certainly wildly involved and whether it be uh the mickey andrews pint glasses that they just uh, debuted a couple days ago those are available for sale uh, I know I'll be picking up a set of two myself, or the uh, game day activities. There are the day before game day activities that they'll be doing on uh, Sunday, the day prior to uh, the prior to the Labor Day kickoff. Which uh, I believe they tweeted out that ESPN will be there, uh, looking to get people's general gauge as to uh, the Taggart air. So, uh, always appreciate uh, the opportunity to meet and greet you guys in general and uh hey might even be better if uh, one or two of you guys were wearing a Noel cash shirt and happened to uh, work your way in front of an espn camera so uh thank you to for the table restaurant group and what they've done for us over the years uh very much look forward to uh, having the opportunity to meet with more of you guys on the uh, sunday prior to the game and uh just a, a good opportunity a great sponsor and uh, people that we're fortunate to be able to work with Another great thing slash fantastic deal they have going on,
1: I know, is uh, something they'll be doing Sunday, the day before the Virginia Tech game. Yeah, man, I'll be there. You'll be there. A couple hundred of our, our closest friends and listeners will be there. That's the game day weekend bar crawl with the Knollcast. You can get your tickets right now, 20 bucks. That's the game day weekend bar crawl with the Knollcast. $20. It's on Sunday before Labor Day, the day before Labor Day. Check-in is at 2 to 4. You're going to get a, a Proof Madison Social at Madison Social, a Proof Mango wit at Central, and a Proof Warpath IPA with special null cast treatment at Township, as well as a null cast punting-is-bunting koozie. Uh, that would be perfect for game day the next day. Uh, Check-in, 2 to 4 o'clock, actual bar crawl, kind of that 3.30 to 7.30 window. Uh, you know what comes on at 7.30, I believe, is the Miami LSU games. We'll probably stick around for that. And, uh, and see uh, how good Miami and LSU look. That will probably be like a 7-3 you know, to three bludgeoning, given how those teams play offense. Uh, we've already sold, uh, sold a good number of tickets on this one, and uh, we expect to have uh, a couple hundred more, y'all. So definitely come out. It was a great time last time. I know we did it for the spring game without the bar crawl. Uh, and because we had such great turnout, we decided we need to do a, a bar crawl with this to – to really take advantage of all all three of the great Madison Social properties, along with Proof Brewing, so very excited about this one. You can go to MadisonSocial dot com slash game day dash bar dash crawl. That's MadisonSocial dot slash game day dash bar dash crawl. All right, let's uh, let, let's get into safety here before we start talking about individual players. I, Ingram, I, I do think that it, it's worth noting uh, just just how smart and and how much emphasis and uh, and value that this coaching staff is placing on their safeties being in the right spots
0: uh, yeah I, I think that may lend itself to uh, some of the <laughs> some of the individuals that we're about to talk to and maybe some other individuals who haven't uh, ascended up the depth chart as much as they have so uh, it's, it's critical now Samuels, uh, Stanford Samuels uh, has, has moved as many of our listeners will be familiar with and they'll even be familiar with the, the reason that they really want to get their, their three best players on the field. Uh, but it's, it's critical, and we, we referenced this both uh, a second ago. This is, if, if you want to look at a place where there is a little bit of complexity in what's asked of them, uh, asked of the players on this team, it is the safety position, and you got to be able to get lined up, and you absolutely have to know uh, what's being asked of you and
1: uh, you've got to be able to perform with a level of consistency. One thing I actually noticed, it was a theme here with the early frontrunner suspicions. Obviously, Stanford Samuel III is going to be a starter in this defense. So calling him a frontrunner isn't even really accurate. Like he's going to start at the free safety spot. Um, I also think he'll play down some in, in the nickelback role or in the dimeback role at, at times, depending on, on the defensive package. But both him and A.J. Westbrook, a, a player who a lot of fans have not been high on, and uh, sometimes for good reasons, sometimes for an undeserved reason. Uh, Both of them are actually sons of high school football coaches. I don't think that's a coincidence, man, that those guys grew up around the game of football, really understand the game of football well, can get lined up themselves, can diagnose what is happening, and importantly, can get others uh, lined up uh, on top of that. And I think that there are some spots in this defense, particularly the three guys who are going to play in front of them (laughs) in the linebacker spots, which are – so far, the returns from camp have been really poor about the linebackers, so you're in, they're going to need some help behind them. Uh, I, it does appear that they are prioritizing smart football IQ and dependability, potentially over athleticism, especially in the case of Westbrook uh, against uh, Nashville Dean, Homson Nashville Dean, and, and, and Cyrus Fagan. You know, I, I think Samuels might be your most talented DB on the team, even over Taylor. Uh, and I, I you, having him be able to pick up slot receivers running deep makes all the sense in the world, and I think he's going to actually get a decent number of interceptions this year if he can, just because I think I think he'll really diagnose what's going on, see the quarterbacks being pressured, and, and be able to get over there and get some of those balls uh, that are thrown up. Westbrook, you know, is not an elite athlete; he's a, a decent athlete, but by Florida State standards, he's not somebody who pops at you as an athlete, and yet he's been taking the first-team reps mostly because the guy behind him, Hobson team, did not pick up the defense quite as fast as he did in the spring. And they absolutely have to go with the guy here who they can trust to be in the right spots because of, of how aggressive this defense is. Your, your last line of defense cannot be missing assignments. It's just you, you have to have a high rate of assignment pickup here, and uh, and that's something that they're going to really be focused on I still think Nas- Nasruddin is going to play a lot, though. You know, And, and I think that uh, that Fagan, who is Samuels' backup, is going to play a lot as well. When, when Samuels goes and, and, and plays as the third corner in some of the nickel packages, I think Fagan will be right there taking his spot at safety. And maybe when you need a little more beef to stop the run, I think you could see Nasruddin there uh, backing up Westbrook. You could also see Nasruddin end up playing more linebacker or, or more of that uh, fifth or sixth DB role to give use more bulk against the run, particularly if the linebackers keep disappointing. You know, if, if they do, then there's not really a whole lot of downside compared to, you know, compared to the other options of playing like a, you know, 4-1-6 type defense more often than not like something TCU would play. If you can do it and and, and not sacrifice your coverage principles and, and your install your defense that you plan to be running for, you know, the next 5-10 years. Uh but, yeah, physical ability is not going to trump that. We, we know these guys have, have different skill sets. team with, with the huge frame and and, and the big-time hitter. And you know Fagan is a very well-rounded game. Um, I I do like their depth here, though, as opposed to corner where I think the depth, the, the drop-off is significant. I'm not sure that the, the drop-off here is significant at the safety position.
0: No, it's it, it's not uh, not to a great extent. I, I mentioned this about a month ago or so and had somebody that I put confidence in in the program. And look, he didn't tell me Nazlevine was moving to linebacker. He explicitly told me that he wasn't telling me that, uh, but that you may see him asked of things that are traditionally asked of a linebacker more frequently. I, I think you could see some some pretty interesting packages. Uh, Homs is a, a exceptional athlete. Uh, brings a lot to the table. I think that's somebody that they want to get on the field, and uh, it it wouldn't shock me to see. You know, I don't know if you're going to see, you know, like what you just referenced with like a four one six or something, but uh, you could you could see some exotics when it comes to uh, what you do with personnel and and seeing Natural Dean play in a manner that uh, some of the roles and responsibilities are not all that unsimilar to what is asked of a linebacker.
1: They also have Calvin Bruton who can provide some depth for him. Uh, we are going to discuss Jaden Woodby and, and DeKalen Brooks in the linebacker preview since they're playing that star linebacker position so far in camp. And that's that's more of a linebacker spot even if they're still listed at safety. So that's why we've not discussed them yet. We're, we're not down on them. As players, we're not forgetting him. So just letting you all know there. No, we, we want to emphatically say that we are not <laughs> down on Jaden Woodby at all. Uh, so, yeah. just want to get that on record early. We should probably take our listener questions now. If teams come out in the five-receiver set, who is the fifth DB? I, I kind of think we already answered this one. I think if if you're talking about uh, um, move, moving uh, Samuels down to corner there, which I believe he probably would then that would be Fagan replacing him. So that would give you Taylor, Myers, Samuels at the three corner spots and then Fagan, Westbrook at the two safety spots. So um, that's that one. Why is a bigger DB like Samuels a better fit at the safety position in this defense than someone like Taylor? It seems like manning up a slot receiver would be better suited for a shorter, quicker player and you'd want the length on the outside, particularly against a team like Clemson. This is actually true if the defense was aligning in the way that the, that the questioner thought, but they're not. And here's the key difference. Samuels is only playing man coverage if the corner or excuse me, if the slot receiver goes deep, it's not like he's walking up and playing the slot in press coverage. The star backer is, is, is sliding out over top of the slot, and he will take the slot receiver on any kind of little short route playing zone coverage principles. Now, If that slot receiver goes deep, then Samuel's responsibility converts from zone to man. He will pick that slot receiver up and carry him in man coverage down the field. Would Taylor be better at this in open field coverage? Yes. However, what Taylor would not be better at is in run support, which is a primary responsibility of the safeties as well, playing so close to the line of scrimmage that they're very heavily involved in the run game. This is a defense that wants to take away the run. At all costs, you know there there will be some games where they get beat by the pass. I think there will be very few games where, where, where they get run on, um, at least not not at the expense of the secondary. Maybe if the linebackers can't hold up or something, sure. But um, that that's why it wouldn't work. You don't want to play a guy with, with Taylor's lack of size there at safety, uh, simply because he's not a not a good fit as a run fit guy, and because what you're asking Samuels to do is not to not to cover the guy short and deep it's just deep over under 49.5
0: for the null defensive backs in the sP havoc ranking
1: havoc ranking is like tackles for loss fumbles uh, picks and pass defense uh, I'm gonna say uh, under I think that this defense will produce a lot of incomplete pa- passes and so I think it'll be uh, worse than, than 49.5 because those don't help havoc rate also, uh, I don't think the corners are going to have a whole lot of tackles for loss, uh, and I don't think you'll see them blitz quite as much as you saw in the old scheme. So with that in mind, I'm going go to go they will be worse in that. Um, I think that other positions like defensive line will have a great year with Havoc rating. I just don't think the Havoc rating component for this defense will be coming from the DBs. In your opinion, is it better to combat today's offenses
0: with more of a safety linebacker-type player at the star position or the Saban model? Obviously, you have a player like Ramsey or be. It doesn't matter, but curious to hear your thoughts in
1: general on the topic. Sure. So I, I think this idea of today's offenses is, uh, is almost overbroad, right? In the Big 12, I might want to have a guy who is more of a, a corner type because they're, they're going to throw the ball 50 times a game. You know, if you look at the team's if FSU plays, they don't really play anybody that's going to chuck the ball around that much. Uh, you know, Clemson's still very much committed to the run. Miami is, is a team that's going to run it. Uh, obviously, uh, Florida is going to run the ball all the time, uh, and I would too if I had their quarterbacks. Uh, so it really kind of depends on how much throwing you do. If you're facing like an air raid team like a Texas Tech or a uh, – what what Baylor used to be, or or an Oklahoma type team, uh, then I might want to want to have more of a corner there. And in that case, I'm probably going to play just nickel or, or dime the entire game anyway. Is it better to have your corners be great cover guys and average tacklers,
0: or average cover guys and great tacklers in this particular scheme?
1: I, I think uh, it would be better to have them be great cover guys and average tacklers, um, simply because that they are going to be in in, in manned up. One on one coverage so often uh, that you cannot afford to have them be unable to cover. So um, I'm going to go with, with the coverage on that. Uh, also, you know the the other nine players on defense are, are playing the run uh, very aggressively. The, the the corner responsibility first and foremost is, is the pass. And I don't mean to belittle this listener's question, but
0: uh, more times than not, when you're an average cover guy and a decent tackler, you get moved to a different position. That that's not a particular recipe for a, a good uh, a good cornerback. Uh, Kyle Myers and A.J. Westbrook, do they finish the season as the starting uh, cornerback and starting safety as they are currently slotted preseason?
1: Ooh. I'm going to say Myers, yes. I think we're in agreement here. I
0: would say Myers, yes. Westbrook,
1: no. I, yeah, I'm not sure on Westbrook. I, I wouldn't actually surprise me if 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 you end up seeing more humps or reps at uh, you know the star safety, star linebacker position, it wouldn't surprise me then because Fagan's kind of w- would be more likely your primary backup at both. It wouldn't shock me to see Fagan there. So I'm going to say the chances are good that they, that at least one of them doesn't. And I would lean a little more towards Westbrook, but I, I it wouldn't shock me to see them both finish the season as starters. And then uh, you, you want to end it on this one. Yeah, so this is something we've kind of uh, – this will be new
0: for our, our long-time position preview listeners. We, we're we going to end each preview with a little bit of a wrinkle, and that is uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, how confident are we that this unit will perform at a higher level than what we saw last year?
1: Okay, so 1 to 10, 10 being like extremely confident, Lock City, 1 being we'd be pretty shocked if they were better. I'll go with like a like an 8, I think they're going to be better coached. I think they're going to be in position more often. Losing Derwin really hurts. But uh, you know this was definitely a position where I think last year that they struggled with a little bit of crisis of confidence, and they didn't necessarily always know what they were doing as far as how they were being coordinated. So I'm going to go uh, go with an 8. And what would keep me from being a 10 is the, the depth at some of these spots, like corner. You, know, you, you are pretty close to having to play some true freshmen at corner, potentially. Um, and that, that's that would keep me from from giving them a ten
0: I'm gonna say eight eight point five here that's uh that's what I had going into this so oh, and your price is right yeah it. <laughs> I am I'm just just a little over Bud. um so that way when they play well i can i can say that I was the one that was confident and you were pessimistic on their performance but no uh, to be serious it's uh I'm real hesitant to do this because bud and I get to watch a lot of college football and view a lot of things and at times I think uh you know you can get a false idea as to how much you know of the game versus those that uh that are coached and fully employed in the game but there were there were aspects of what Florida State did last year that was just very evident of a team that was not very well coached and not very well coached in the fundamentals of of what you need out of a defensive back just as far as kind of the options that you give to the wide receiver what you try to prevent people from doing uh situationally I don't think we understood uh just how we were getting set up at times or trying to funnel players to different uh parts of the field it was just poor and uh, symptomatic of a, a crisis of confidence as you mentioned and also just a a some, some pretty poor coaching, I think. So uh, I think that you know, with between the level of buy-in and a little bit of a, a higher level of, uh, of coaching, I, I'm very, very confident, despite the, despite the fact that you lose a player like Derwin, that uh, ultimately you get a, a higher level of play out of this position. But we'll pause between position groups here and thank our friends at Resolution Home Loans. Uh, We've been fortunate to work with them for uh, seven months at this point, uh, eight months, and uh, have been able to have really some strong amount of unsolicited feedback from people. And uh, all that's done for us is confirm that we have a a great partner and somebody that we're uh, very fortunate to be able to work with and can very much recommend and uh, suggest people with with a large uh, amount of confidence that uh, that you at the very least talk to Chad and Shannon and and give those guys an opportunity to earn your business. They're they're Florida State fans through and through. Uh, their family is full of Florida State fans. Uh, great people, people who very much want to do right by you, give you the best opportunity possible. And I know they've created a, a couple programs that are kind of listener specific uh, for fans of the
1: null absolutely man they, they have their almost home program want to get you in, in your house quickly they 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 actually underwrite the loan beforehand so they can move fast um, you deal directly with, with Chad you deal directly with Shannon 844 FSU loan 844 FSU loan or FSU home loans.com we'll have even more coming from them. In in the coming months, but uh, hey, it's pretty nice. They have a 4.7 rating on Glassdoor. Their Google ratings are excellent as well. We've already had what four, I think, of our listeners get mortgages with them. So uh, everybody's given us great feedback. Even the people who who weren't able to to get one had great feedback about about how how nice they were throughout the process. How, how they really walked them through it, kept them informed. It you know didn't feel like they were being you know dragged along. Just hey let's work as quickly as we can and be as professional as we can with y'all with great personal service. That's what you get with Resolution Home Loans. That's that's the feedback we've gotten from our listeners. And that's what Chad and Shannon told us when I sat down there and had lunch with them. I said, you know, what, what do y'all do? Why, why, should, why should we take y'all as an advertiser other than the fact that you're paying us? And they said, well, we're going to give you great customer service. We have competitive rates. We're great first-time home buyers. We're, we're, we're great for second-time home buyers. You know, like we, we really feel a lot like, like our customer service Our personal touch on this and and our commitment to excellence for our customers goes a long way. So, uh, so far, they're exactly right. And we're happy to uh, to have them for the football season. But we'll move from
0: one strength of a sponsor to a a strength on the uh, Florida State roster here. And hey, I tell you what, uh, I hope every conversation can be as pleasant as, as the ones tonight when we profile the secondary and then move to running back here. Uh, have a feeling we may not be quite as as optimistic at all different places across the board. But for the time being, Bud, uh, let's enjoy the the rather strong uh, amount of talent that happens
1: to be stockpiled on this roster currently. So, Ingram, uh, like we do with all our previews, let's first talk about Coach Dante Pimpleton. Comes with Willie Taggart uh, from Oregon, was previously with him at Western Kentucky. Uh, Seems to be a guy who, who is very much a stickler for details. In practices, obviously, we know he's a great recruiter. But uh, for the purpose of the preview, you know, more focused on the coaching. Uh, one coaching point that I know they've been very much uh, harping on is getting those mesh point handoffs right. You may have noticed this uh, in the old Florida State offense; they did not really run a lot of the uh, the zone read stuff, right? Like they they faked it a lot, and they didn't. When they did try to run it, they didn't do it very well. And I'm a big believer in that you you are going to be good at what you practice. And there will be certain areas of this team that, you know, won't be as good as what they were under the previous coaching staff, but certain areas I think they'll be a lot better. One of those areas, I believe, is going to be the quarterback read game. And a big part of that, too, is the running back taking the proper angle, having the right hand placement and the right hand technique, uh, and arm arm placement so that the quarterback can put the ball in and then also give it or pull it when he makes the, the correct read, which I think he'll make more often. So, Uh, that's kind of the one thing I've noticed as far as a coaching point from him. They said that they've been repping pass protection a lot. I think the pass protection in this scheme will be a little bit easier for the running back simply because of the amount of play action uh, that that they're going to be running, which should keep the defense a little more on its heels than it was able to be last year. And then the third point I want to make, this is going to be a running offense. I, I know people hear spread offense and Gulf Coast offense, wide open, up tempo. Look, All those things can be true while still running the football. And Willie Taggart, when he got done playing college ball, he was the all-time leading rusher among D1 quarterbacks. When he was at Western Kentucky, they ran the heck out of the ball. When he was at Stanford with Jim Harbaugh, they ran the heck out of the ball. When he was at USF, they ran the heck out of the ball. And when he was at Oregon, they ran it some more. You know at Oregon last year they had over 600 carries? 600. Now, look, that includes sacks. But in the last 10 years, Florida State has not even exceeded 518. Willie Tackert's last three offenses have all been well over 550. There's a really good chance Florida State's going to have about 20% more carries this year than it did in the highest year in the last 10. And maybe 30 or 40% more carries next year than it did compared to uh, to, to last year's offense. So you, you got a great staple of backs here. I mean, a great one. Probably the second best in the nation, only to Bama. Probably, I mean, just thinking about it, maybe Ohio State would, would have something to say with that. But, but you're you're <laughs> you're you're up there in really rarefied air. This is the best position on the team, I think, bar none. And uh, look, man, what a perfect what a perfect marriage of, of offensive philosophy. Let's run the ball a whole lot at up tempo. Let's get a lot of guys involved and talent with this running back position. A lot of talent, a lot of uh, kind of complementary
0: pieces as far as the body types and skill sets and what you can get from different positions. Uh Bud, not to uh put you on the spot here, but just from what we were talking about, what is the uh do you know the program record for number of carries in a year off the top of your head by chance?
1: I do not. Uh I I, I was trying to look it up. Uh we use nolfan.org dot org a lot of times to find our uh our like all time. Records and I cannot find the the program record for carries. I, I would think it, it would be back in in the days when when FSU was more of an option team. Uh, however, back then they only played nine or ten game schedules, and, and now like the you know, 2013 team played 14 games. Obviously, um, it might be the 518 that they put up uh, in in 2016 when Dalvin Cook had 288 carries that year. Uh, that, that wouldn't shock me if if that was it. But uh, if that's it, then they're going to have a really good shot to shatter that. That's something we'll
0: uh, look into and and check back in on. Uh, if you
1: know as a listener, yeah, we would know. love
0: to know. It's it's, it's a number that uh, uh, wouldn't
1: wouldn't shock me to see us approach that. Now, look, we do know like like we we know what the record is by a single player, but we don't know what the record is for team rushes in a single year. Yeah, good. Uh, good delineation to point out there i'm only saying that cuz i don't want to have a thousand people telling me that, that dalvin has the right <laughs> yes I, dalvin I got was that. pretty good like, if i remember correctly uh so he, he yeah. yeah he was not good this guy they got they, they got now though he's not bad he's either. not bad
0: either and the the thing that's real exciting are neither of other, uh, or neither the other or neither the three pieces that immediately follow him but uh we're not going to shortchange cam makers in uh, in his time here uh tonight kid is so talented and, and so impressive that uh it's it's almost easy to just kind of take him as a, a a given or a known quantity and and move on it's just uh impressive really remarkable the season that that kid had i will warn other florida state fans and i'm sure this is not something that i would have to tell people that would catch him off guard but going back and watching last year's games is a is a painful painful exercise i've I've tried to do it a couple times, and really about the only one that I can stomach is is watching parts of the Alabama game. Uh, but a long-winded way of me trying to get to the point of saying that just from Cam's first, first carry, it's just remarkable uh, the talent that that kid has and, and how it is uh, very very easy to identify the the type of prospect that he could ultimately see. I, I think the greatest thing for me personally that I'll, I'll look at Cam Akers is is to see how much kind of uh, familiarity with a position, how much more comfortable he gets in his second uh, real season playing the position. Uh, it's not uncommon for a kid to see a, a position change take place from, from high school to college, but uh, I do think that Cam has some aspects of his game that could be improved with more familiarity. Uh, it would be interesting to see if he finds more patience as a running back, a little bit of a greater idea as to – you know when to throw it into fifth or sixth gear or when to try to keep it in third gear and and wait for a, a hole to open up uh just a a whole lot of things to be very very excited about cam makers in general and then there's kind of this next level that if he incorporates some of the things uh that you might expect a, a guy as, as he gets more comfortable to, with a position that uh that you could just be looking at a absolutely uh exceptional prospect
1: hundred percent. I, I think you are exactly right there. And I mean, how scary is that to think that Cam Akers is another level he can get to, but I, I think you're right. And look, playing in a spread offense could actually help him just as a guy that, that played you know, in the spread in high school as a quarterback. If there's less guys in the box, cause you got receivers spread all over the field and, and a little more, a little clearer rushing lanes and, and maybe a little bit easier for, for a guy like Cam to see where he needs to go. That's pretty scary. I mean, just, physically at the the top end speed the, the the wiggle the 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 burst the the size I mean he's he's a legitimate like a lot of these guys are are listed at, at 200 pounds but but acres is probably like a legit 220 man you know or or, or like a legit 215 what are they even list him at he, he I saw
0: him today. He's he's yoked. No, he's 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 not a small guy and he doesn't run like a small guy. I mean they list him at two ten. Okay. Uh, he's he's all of that. Yeah, he's absolutely wouldn't shock me to see if Cam's not about two hundred and fourteen, two hundred and sixteen pounds. Uh and and uh, you know, you can you can ask a couple people on Florida State schedule, most notably a couple guys in Miami secondary he does not hesitate to lower his shoulder and let you feel every every pound of that two hundred and fifteen pounds. Either a uh, kid that runs tough, runs real hard, and uh, my lord, the the sky's the limit. And it's just a it's a position group that uh, Florida State fans have been very very spoiled recently. Uh, when you look at kind of the the lineage of the position and and some of the players that you've been able to have come through the program at, at running back in particular,
1: and yet i got to tell you, I don't know that the drop-off from him to the next guy is is as big as it would be at almost any other program in the nation. Because Kalen LeBourne, I think, is going to be really, really good too. They you know, they signed two five-stars in that class. Anza Quandary-White, who we'll talk about when, when we talk about the linebacker for use since, since he's working there now in camp. But uh, LeBourne has has just, I, I think, maybe a little bit more wiggle than camp has I'd be interested to see their top end speeds compared. I, I don't know that LeBorn is is that much faster than him. I think both guys are, are absolutely home run hitters. LeBorn is is smaller for sure. Like that that is one thing. Um you know if if you look at him, LeBourne's listed at 205, Cam's listed at 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 uh, at at 210. I I think Cam is bigger than I think he's more than five pounds larger than than LeBourne personally, and runs a little bigger too. Yeah, runs a little bit bigger. Cam's got a much I don't know much more, but a a
0: more developed upper body. LeBourne's got some got some thickness in his you know his core and his legs to him, but uh, Cam just seems to be a little bit more
1: more overall uh, physically developed. Yeah, yeah, for sure, and yet. I think LeBourne's going to hit some home runs for, for FSU this year. I think that he would be a starter for probably what ten of their ACC teams. A lot, like would, would I think LeBourne would start for more than half of the Power Five teams.
0: I don't have uh, don't have any problem saying that. Yeah, I'm not sure you you can't say the same thing for your, the third kid we're going to talk about either, which kind of really gives you an idea. I don't know if it's would be quite that many, but the. Uh, the The amount of depth at this position is just
1: uh, just exceptional. Exactly, it, it's it really is special. Now I know LeBourne had a huge spring game. Uh, some of that, obviously, there's a lot of walk-ons playing linebacker and, and other stuff. And and I don't want to take anything away from. I also don't want to overrate one uh, spring scrimmage open to the public, known as a spring game type performance. But I, I think the staff is extremely excited to have um, to have Acres as, as their starter and then LeBourne working in, as well as Has Patrick, a senior who decided to come back, surprised a lot of people, including myself, by deciding to come back. I'm not really sure what else he has to prove, but um, looks to be, in. In we always say this, obviously, all, all media do, I think, and, and all, all, all players certainly do, but the, quote-unquote, best shape of his life, right, um, he's not backing down. I think he expects to get a lot of carries in this offense. I don't know how many carries he's going to get, or in what role will he be a goal line guy? Will he be a guy that they use to uh, to wear opposing teams down? And, and I want to see how he looks in this new system. He, he does not have the quickness of, of Akers or, or, or LeBorn. Uh, he is certainly bigger than those guys. And I think he's a very capable pass catcher as well, whereas we, we haven't really seen Akers catch a ton of passes. Uh, and and LeBorn, um I know, caught some in, in some All-Star game practice. I saw it. I was pretty impressed with that two years ago as a recruit, but I think Patrick is a great addition to this thing. At the very least, he's going to push those guys, right? Like there's going to be no, no let up in practice. The most intense practice position is going to be running back. Simply because of all these guys want carries and there's only one football. So you you get a big body kid like Jack has Patrick and I really can't call him a kid anymore. I guess I mean, he's probably 23 at this point uh, or, or 22. Look, man. I mean, he would definitely start for a lot of teams out there too. And, you know, LeBourne's
0: giving you a lot of interviews lets you know that he's comfortable uh, being, like, second team and maybe not seeing a whole lot of the running back of uh, the ball. So, um, <laughs> you, you you know that he's not bringing it in practice either. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just an absolute loaded group. Uh, Amir Rasul is a fantastically talented prospect in his own right. Maybe, um, I don't want to say, well, I don't know. Maybe the, you know, the biggest chance of any one kid to take a you know take a uh, an opportunity to the house just with a straight line speed and the amount of explosiveness he has and then uh early returns on Anthony Grant from practice have been fairly positive uh, from from what I've heard close to to people as well a kid that played linebacker in high school at times and very much uh very much kind of runs with the same mentality that you expect uh maybe a hybrid running back linebacker in his own right so uh, just a an absurd amount of talent, and uh, a place that I think you can be uh, very confident that you're going to see a high level of play throughout the year, and a high level of play through through multiple uh, multiple player performances. Let's let's get to questions. Let's do, man. First question we have is uh, sophomore. Excuse me. How wide is the gap between Acres and Laborn? Any chance of four eclipsing three? as the go-to guy in this particular system?
1: Uh, I I think it's uh, significant enough that I would be surprised if LeBorn overtakes Akers, Uh, certainly in in this year. I think Akers is a more complete runner due to the physicality of his game. And that's that's something I do think they want if they can get it. Certainly they want explosive guys that they want guys who can take it to the house, which is why I think LeBorn will will be over Patrick a decent bit. Uh, But if you if both guys can take it to the house and both guys can be explosive then i think you want the guys more powerful so i would say the gap is uh uh is real it's not just like lot like one one a one b in my opinion uh so i, I would say uh that's my answer there uh Ingram, do you expect the running backs to be using any crazy unexpected formations acres at quarterback also can we expect less blown coverage as well uh I think we already answered the last part of that in the defensive back preview. I should have deleted that part of the question, but the first part stands. Do you expect any uh, like running backs to be using any crazy, unexpected formations, or maybe Acres at quarterback?
0: Um, I mean, it certainly wouldn't shock me to see see something with Cam uh, at, at running or at quarterback. Uh, if you've listened to this podcast for a long time, you'll know that I have a. Uh, Perhaps like obnoxious uh, affinity with uh, the way that some of the running backs get used, and whether or not we see uh, you know pony formation or uh, pony personnel, uh, how you might incorporate some of these kids out of a pistol. Although I don't think you'll see much pistol out of this particular offense. But uh, look, I, I think this staff is uh, pretty open in uh, in what it'll do to be successful. I think there's a lot of uh, ideas that it will incorporate. And, uh, a lot of, uh, you know, if things get suggested in a coaching meeting doesn't mean they're just necessarily going to get shot down because they're not, uh, fully in line with what the coaches have done for the past eight to 10 years. So, yeah, I I expect us to see some, uh, some formations that kind of make you do a double take and, and check and to see exactly who's lining up where. And it, it wouldn't shock me to see, uh, three particular running backs on the field at a time. And, uh, whether that be, a you know, a, a wildcat type situation, or uh, or just a. I think, and I've mentioned this for a couple months now. I think you may see uh, some running backs take part in uh, some of the some of the pre snap motion as well, and and
1: see if you can't create some matchups with yourself with what you do with that. I'm right there with you, man. Uh, I think they're going to have three running backs on the field uh, several times this year. Uh, next question. How many passes does Cam Akers throw this year? Seriously, though, does the quarterback or LeBourne have more rushing yards through September? Okay, I went back and looked up how many passes non-quarterbacks thrown for Willie Taggart last year. They had a guy throw one. Previous year, they had a guy throw one, and the previous year to that, or the year previous to that, they had a guy throw two. So, I don't think that there's this idea that Cam Akers is going to throw like 10 passes or anything like that, but I do think that he will throw a couple because uh, he was a high school quarterback and he can throw it a little bit. Like, you wouldn't want him to be your emergency QB throwing it 10 times in a game, but I think he'll have uh, more than one pass attempt this year. If, if I put the over under at two and a half. oof. I'm going to probably. Gosh, I'll I'll take the over and and just barely, but that that's a that's a damn
0: good number. Uh, does the does the quarterback or or LeBourne have more rushing yards through September?
1: LeBourne, I
0: I think just because of the home run hitting nature of it. Say the Knolls average fifty running plays a game, sacks not included. How are you splitting up the carries? QB runs are included
1: in this hypothetical. Okay, so fifty carries. A game. Sacks, no sacks. I would say the quarterbacks will get, let's just say, eight of those. So that would be that, – that, that gets us down to 42. Let's go ahead and say that uh, receivers get jet sweeps three times. So that gets us down to 39. You keeping track here? So we're Damn. at 39. Uh, and that gives us 39 carries, so I'm going to give – I would say 19 of those to Cam Akers and then 9 to LeBorn, 9 to Patrick, and 2 to Rasul. I think that's pretty good. I think that adds up to 50 in my head if I was doing that right. Could Cam Akers be an NFL starter right now? I think Uh, so. Okay, disagreement. No, I think Cam
0: still has another year uh, before he's he's in a place to do that. Uh, Remarkably talented kid, just somebody that's – like an absolute legend in his home state and where he grew up in Mississippi, he's a literally a uh, just a, a kid that you would hear stories about from the time he was about sixth or seventh grade on. But uh, I think he still still got another year before he would uh, really really push for for
1: starting carries on Sunday. Okay, I well, in fairness, there is there are not that many uh, like true starting running backs in the NFL anymore. I mean, how many of these guys are, you know, like like actually starters? Yeah, that's a good call. Very
0: very few franchises that have a, an absolute dedicated number one when it comes
1: to comes to running back. I just think like with running backs, it, a lot of times they're at their very best when they're like 21, 22 years old. You know, they're, they're, I wonder why that just... is. Yeah, it's crazy. It's almost like they've limited cr- tread on their tires. It's
0: almost like having 268-pound maniacs crashing into your body starts to take a toll.
1: I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I don't Although know. we we also see this in baseball, by the way. I don't, I don't know if you've been following this, but like just how young the, the, the league is getting. Um, th- they know now with the StatCast data just how much speed guys lose year to year. Like I don't think I was ever fast, but I guarantee I'm a lot slower now than I was you know a, a decade ago. And basically everybody out there is. Uh, you just you lose some of that kind of I don't know snappiness or whatever of your quick twitch fibers and uh, and so like your explosiveness is probably as good as it's ever going to get in your early twenties last two and then we'll do our, our rating does Patrick get relegated to a more traditional third down slash short yardage goal line back this year with the other backs on a roster do you think a seventy thirty split of touches we already we already did the uh, the, the the split up. I don't know how they're gonna use Patrick, man. I like he's a big guy. He's not always been the best short yardage runner. You know? Like that was a struggle for a while.
0: He doesn't. I mean, again, when you go back and watch some of the games last year, I, I man, I, and I have to say this all the time as probably obnoxious to listeners. I love Jock Patrick. He's a great guy, great in the locker room. Everybody that I talk to down there says that he's a, a massive asset for the program. Um He's, and he's a can be a really good running back he just doesn't like he he doesn't get back to the line of scrimmage in a particularly expedient manner and I'm not saying he's being lazy or anything it's just his skill set he's not he's not explosive to the hole and he doesn't do some of the things that are necessary I know it's very easy to look at him and think short short yardage back goal line back um, I'm not sure that his game fits perfectly with that i, I I'm fascinated to see what they do with Patrick. Uh, have always been impressed with his hands and uh, has always been impressed with what he's willing to do for his team I, I think you could see him used in some, some H-back type situations I think you could get the ball out to him in the flat I think you could create situational mismatch particularly depending on what other running backs you have on the field uh, I think there's a role for Jock S. Patrick I just I will be honest with you I don't know exactly what that is uh, having not Seen exactly what uh, you know what this this
1: offense looks like under Willie. All right, and then the final one: Do we think the running backs will have more than seventy receptions on the year? I'm going to say no. I don't. Uh, we looked it up. Most of the time, Taggart likes to throw the ball to the backs about fifty times. So seventy would be a uh, a forty percent increase over his previous highs for the most part. Um, they do have a lot of really capable backs this year. They might use more two back sets than normal, but man, seventy is a lot. Seventy is an passes. awful lot. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I'll sell that one. Sell that one as well. One to ten. Uh, h- how confident are you that this unit is better than last year's running backs? I'm
0: gonna I'm gonna go about an eight point five again, Bud. Uh, I think that you get maybe a slight upgrade in coaching. Jay Graham's a decent coach, uh, definitely. Not a, a liability, in my opinion. Um, an experienced cam Akers, is it's hard to hard to quantify exactly how much that will mean to this team. And I think uh, with LeBourne coming online and however they ultimately choose to use Patrick, uh, I think I think you'll see uh, a high level of play in a, a whole group slash uh, stable of running backs that are really eager to uh, take advantage of an offense that's kind of geared, paired, and designed around them.
1: All right. You kind of want up me on DB, so I'm, I'm going to one-up you here. I'm going 10. I am, like, locked in, fully confident around actually be better. Here's the reason. Number one, they're actually going to play LeBourne. Number two, it's year two Cam Akers. And number three, it's like year 11, Jacquez Patrick. Who will not be better this year? Now, Patrick may not get as many carries as he did last year. In fact, I, I predict he probably won't. Certainly on a percentage basis, uh, it will be reduced. But I think this year will be a lot better simply because everybody's a year older, and, and I think everybody's or some of them are, are more motivated and more focused uh, than they were last year. You guys need to subscribe to us on either iTunes or Google Podcasts. We used to throw out a bunch of different apps out there. Now we just want to go with just two. Google Podcasts, you have an Android phone, iTunes. If you have an iPhone, it's really that simple. Those are probably the best two apps out there. They work great with with, with whichever kind of phone you have. And hit us up with the five-star reviews there on iTunes or whatever podcast app uh, you use. We love those. Our advertisers love those. They really help us in the rankings. We want to stay as the number one show. And we very much appreciate you all listening to these. We'll be knocking out position previews for all of the major positions.